All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Italian Football Daily Podcast. Hope you're having a good day. The fallout continues for the Azzurri after missing the World Cup for the first time since 1958. Giampiero Ventura has been sacked with what we can only assume is a hefty uh, severance payment. But Carlo Tavecchio, president of the FIGC, remains and a possible return of Carlo Ancelotti to Italy. That plus a packed Serie A weekend headlined by the Derby della Capitale and Milan-Napoli. To break it all down, I'm Patrick Stoll at Stoll underscore P on Twitter. Joining me is from our very esteemed Italian Football Daily cast of editors, uh, Matt Santangelo at Matt underscore Santangelo on Twitter and Luca Laporta at Luca underscore Laporta. And of course, you can always hit us up at ItalianFD. Uh, boys, thanks for joining me. And uh, Matt, we can start off like this. Ventura has been sacked. He took his time. He didn't resign like a lot of us wanted him to. Who do you want to see as his next replacement? We've had a lot of links to Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, do you want to see Ancelotti or do you want to see someone else? And what the heck happened with Ventura that he kind of went kicking and screaming. I mean, the, my obviously my obvious choice for uh, the Italian national team bench would be uh, obviously Carlo uh, Carlo Ancelotti. Now it's I, it's funny. I was on a podcast last night and I was kind of bringing up that the fact that it's it, it's it's kind of funny that you know Bayern Munich sacked Carlo Ancelotti. Um, he's no longer with them. He's kind of been on the sidelines for the past couple of weeks. Kind of just. And in my eyes, most likely looking for a job um, sometime very soon. You know, not only were not only is he a favorite or a preferred option for the bench for the Azzurri, but he was also a target for uh, Milan under that difficult spell that uh, Montella was on, and it kind of still is in. So, um, for me, obviously, I'd love to see Ancelotti coach the national team. Uh, our, our chief editor, Alex Mashiti, of course, did a uh, good article on Ancelotti and pretty much what he could bring to the national team that was posted earlier this morning. So I definitely encourage you guys to take a look at that if you haven't already done so. But yeah, he would be my, my first choice. I just you know think he's the right guy. You need a high-profile guy to step in post-Ventura. I don't think, you know, Tavecchio, if he wants to you know, get some, the monkey off his back and at least a little bit, you really do need to appoint someone that's a high-profile manager and not get cheap with that manager like he did with Ventura. Do you, do you think that he does pay up? Do you think that he kind of put... I, I know that he almost has to appoint Ancelotti in a sense, right? Because he's the best guy out there. He's the, he's the one who does not currently have a job, right? Conte is still with Chelsea. Um, Allegri is still with Juve. So you can't... Mancini kind of, Sarri is still with Napoli. You can't just kind of sweep them up in the middle of a season like this. Do you think he, do you think he saves any face? Or do you think Tavecchio also has to go? Um, I, 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 at this point, I don't think he, he's damned if he does, he's damned if he doesn't. And I think that, you know, it, yes, if he was to say, okay, well, if I point him now and maybe Ancelotti 
doesn't, you know, maybe let's say again in the friendly with England, you know, he doesn't do too well or he chooses, you know, this player and it doesn't work. He's going to be under the microscope, obviously, just because everyone knows that the Azuri is not going to the World Cup. So a lot of the results at, in the aftermath are going to be magnified and they're going to be looked at very closely. But having said that, I think, you know, if you appoint a guy like Ancelotti, he's not a, a manager you're going to bring in that's going to be someone who you know, you're going to have a short leash with, in my opinion. I think you're going to be, you got, you, when you bring in a guy of his, his caliber with everything that he's accomplished in the top leagues in Europe, you kind of are going to give him the keys. You're going to give him the time. You're going to give him, hopefully, the assets and everything like that. I think he even mentioned, um, correct me if I'm wrong, he spoke about um, the role when asked about it in, a, in an interview with, I think, maybe Premium. Um, I got to clarify what the source was, but he pretty much said that, uh, but there was a, no, 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 here it was. There was a report out that said like he won't, um, that maybe he probably won't step into the role unless there is at least signs that reforms are coming. So it's, again, I, I think he's obviously the, the target and the preferred guy by pretty much everybody. We did a poll of that on IFD last night, and I think uh, he's running away with it. But I don't think it's going to be as simple as, oh, he's a free agent. Let's just sign him. I think it's a lot of things that he's going to want from sure. the Federation to make his job easier and to give him the tools to succeed in this role because he's never coached the national team. So that's something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. And Luca, let's get you in the conversation here. Do you, what is the reputation and essentially legacy of Giampiero Ventura? And I know you have some strong feelings about this, that he, he didn't do what Lippi did. He didn't do what, um, what's-his-name did, uh, Prandelli did after their failures, right? So after 2010, Lippi said, I'm out, I'm done. Thank you for everything, I'm resigning. Prandelli, same thing. Well, he was out of contract, Prandelli stepped yeah, down. Yeah, he had more time, just like Ventura did, by the way. And he said, all right, this wasn't good enough, I'm out. You know, love you, thank you, bye. That is widely considered, everyone and everyone has kind of looked at that and said, hey, look at that. And Italian Football TV posted that uh, video of um, a reporter talking to Ventura, and Ventura was like, look, stop talking to me, right? So what is the legacy of Giampiero Ventura after he has gone out? Like, was it all about the money? I feel almost like it was all about the money for him from the very beginning, because if you get fired, you get money, like you still get paid. If you resign, you give it up. So what is his legacy, Luca? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, as you said, you know, I'm sorry guys, those listening, I'm a little bit under the weather. So my voice is a little bit, I sound like uh, the legendary Gigi Buffon, you know, his voice is really deep. That's what I sound like right now. Um, so, when Lippi, when when we had a really disastrous 2010 World Cup, when we uh, we lost to Slovakia in the third game of the group, we lost three two. Uh, Lippi resigned right after. I remember that game. It was like I think I was 11 years old. I, I remember that game. When Lippi resigned right after, he said, "Okay, you know, whatever. We lost. I'm done here." Every coach has their shelf life, right? Every sport, every coach has a certain period. Um, and yeah, so. Basically, he knew he knew that it was his time to go. Okay, we move on. To, we move on to Cesare Prandelli, who 
brings us to the Euro final, Euro 2012 final, right? So he got more, obviously. And he, we weren't supposed to make the final that year. We had to beat England and Germany to get there, right? So um, and that was a big thanks to Mario Balotelli. Wink, wink. Um, anyways, uh, so he obviously got more time, which is deserved. He qualified for the World Cup without any problems. Um, we beat England in 2014. We lost to Kuka, uh, who were the Cinderella story in that tournament. Um, was it that group? Was uh, what was it? Um, it was England, Costa Rica, Uruguay, Paraguay. Par- no, no, Uruguay, Uruguay, Uruguay. Uruguay. It, it was a tough group. It really was. Yeah, absolutely. It was a tough group. So we lost to Costa Rica. We lost one nothing on the Brian Ruiz header. I'm not sure if you guys remember that goal. Yeah, I remember that. At the back post. Yep. Um, my heart was broken. Balotelli missed a chance too. Pirlo put him in. He tried to dink it over the keeper. It went wide. Um, and of course he got all the blame for that loss. What's new? And against Uruguay, um, all we needed was a draw to go through. And it, we were, we actually were playing a decent game. Balotelli got a yellow card, uh, and then Marquisio got sent off in the 59th minute. Uh, controversially again, which then and then and then Suarez big Chiellini, yep. <laughs> Suarez big Chiellini. He didn't even get a foul for it. We had to give them back possession of the ball, and they scored in the corner right after. So that was kind of BS because if they would have got a foul for that, we would have we would took the ball back. You know what I mean? That that goal would have happened off the corner because it happened right after. Um, yeah, and then Prendelli said, "Okay, I'm done. Uh, I'm leaving." So Ventura, it's weird because in that interview on Italian Football TV, he said that oh, I you know in two years I only lost two games. That's great. Lose your two get lose ten games. I don't care. Lose friendlies. You got to qualify for the World Cup. These managers qualified for the World Cup, but they didn't have a great World Cup, so they resigned. Ventura obviously, and looking at it from a, like a logical point of view, Ventura's thinking about the money for sure. He got like an eight hundred thousand euro payout. Why? He'll never get a job again in Calcio. Um, so maybe he's thinking, I'm not, I'm not going to get a job again. I'm 70 years old. I'm taking the money and, and, and retiring forever. There might have also, and just to close out the Azzurri topic, there might have also just been a stubbornness, right? Of, oh, yeah. He's, of, he's, he's a stubborn guy. I know. He's one of the most stubborn. He's old school. He's 70 years old, right? Yeah. He's been here for a long time. He's your typical old, stubborn, like an, like a nonno, like an old, stubborn nonno. That, 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 that's what he is. Um, and unfortunately, I don't understand why the FIGC thought he was the right guy. Um, and it's weird because a lot of us saw this coming like six, seven months ago saying we look really, really bad. Um, and of course we thought the impossible would be not, would be not qualifying and it happened. I mean, we didn't get the friendliest of draws with Sweden, but hey, and the group of Spain, but you know what? You have to beat who's in front of you. Exactly, yeah. and I think I think that plays part into the stubbornness that we saw from him. He did the formations, the selections, etc. But in his mind, he probably believes, "Look, I did what I could. The players didn't perform. Can't do anything about it. I did what I could." Which you know, argue with that as much as you want, but here we are. Uh, there will be an announcement uh, from Tavecchio around. Uh, November 28th, so oh, yeah. uh, 11 days, yeah. He's going to have a press conference out there. Yeah, so he'll make he'll have a press conference. Um, we assume that will have to do with either the coach 
or someone like Maldini has been linked to getting into the Federation, right? So it's one of those. Uh, we'll see where that heads. But just to close the book on the Itzuri, um, now that Ventura is out, we'll see who the new one is. Hopefully it's Ancelotti, because uh, I think he can bring a lot, uh, because they do have the talent to make it to the World Cup, and I think he can do a great job. Uh, so closing the book on the Itzuri, turning... Uh, to what can only be described as hopefully a cathartic weekend uh, in Syria with some really, really good matchups. Uh, you have the Derby della Capitale uh, with Roma and Lazio, which is an underrated matchup. And I know that's hard to think of when Lazio is in fourth with 28 and uh, Roma's in fifth with 27 points, right? With the game in hand. Just with, right. And both of them have won their last five games. Their team form is all green, all mm-hmm. green W's, right? So this game is huge because whoever wins launches themselves. If one of them wins, Lazio wins. They are tied with Juve at second place. Roma wins. They're tied with Inter at third, right? So that's huge. Napoli, Milan, uh, you know. Milan desperately looking for form and some of their players to get in, really get into it. Napoli with several players from the Itzuri. Um, and I was talking to you guys about this a little um, off air that so many Napoli players are on the Itzuri, right? Insigne, Jorginho, etc. right? So not only do Milan have the pleasure of playing the leading team in Serie A, but they have a pissed off Lorenzo Insigne mm. and Jorginho, etc. So I'll start with you, Luca, since we started with Matt. Which game... Oh, and you also have Inter versus Atalanta, which is a very low-key good game. And you have uh, Sampdoria-Juve. So... Which of these matchups really, really catches your eye? Um, what do you think about this weekend coming up in Syria? Well, first off, it's a nice. Uh, there's definitely a, a few really nice, uh, nice fixtures on on tap after a really garbage week for uh, for Calcio, um, with with the Capitale Derby. Um, I think that match is definitely the one I'm looking most forward to. Um, you know, Roma's a, a really, really good side. Um, uh, we, we, I think they're going to challenge with Scudetto this year. Um, they look pretty good defensively. They have the most clean sheets too. Lazio, Simone Inzaghi's Lazio, Inzaghi's Lazio also looks very, very strong. Um, we'll see how Ciro Immobile bounces back after l- lackluster performances against Sweden. Um, we'll see. Honestly, I, I wouldn't even doubt if he scores two goals. And then he's going for the duty when he scores two goals against Roma. Um, but honestly, yeah, I, I, I don't. Milan Napoli is obviously a good game, but at the at the San Paolo, Milan are gonna get killed tomorrow. Um, I I already know. I can't even I can't even watch it tomorrow, unfortunately, which is oh well. But uh, I can watch uh, Roma Lazio uh, at least at least almost all of it, and that's definitely a match that's just exciting. It has players like Jekyll, Immobile. Uh, Milinkovic-Savic, Nainggolan. In-form El-Sharawi. 
inform Sharawi. Yeah, Sharawi, the Ferrone. Ferrone is uh, on fire right now. Um, you know, Diego Perotti is always an exciting player too. There's a lot of exciting players in this match. And you know how the Lazio fans are, the Roma fans are. The Lazio fans are really crazy. Um, but you know how they are. You know, there'll be great tifo. Be great atmosphere. I'm hoping the city I can promote this derby because you know what, city has to be more modern, right? And we have to see these teams be more modern on social media and stuff. So I hope they can promote the derby. Um, I hope that we get really good numbers for uh, like with for like millions watching around the world. But I'm honestly very excited for uh, the Roma Lazio. And you know what? And it, that's not saying that you know Inter Atalanta is a huge game on Sunday. USM USM Doni is a huge game on Sunday. So there's four really good games this weekend, but definitely the, the Derby della Capitale is definitely the one that I'm looking forward to. And my prediction is going to be, uh, I'm going to say 2-1 Roma. I think Jekyll scored two tomorrow. So let me throw a couple fun facts or stats at you uh, before we go to you, Matt. So since January 1st, right, across the top five European leagues, only Lionel Messi and Dries Mertens have been involved in more goals than Chiro Immobile. Mm. Chiro Immobile has been involved in 36 goals with 28 goals and 8 assists. Lionel Messi is at 46 total and Mertens is at 38. So when you're talking about some really exciting players, you also have no Serie A player right now has scored more goals in Rome's derby in Serie A than De Rossi and Jekko, who each have two. So this is it's it's a really big time matchup. And you know, you talk about the players who are on the coming back. You know, you have De Rossi, you have Immobile, like you mentioned. There are there's plenty of intrigue here. So Matt, I want to get to you. What are you keeping your eye on? And we're going to do specific matchups in the lineups a little later. Uh, in the show, but I do want to get your thoughts on this weekend and what sticks out to you uh, as we head into uh, a really defining weekend in Italy. I mean, if many of the people probably listening know that, or if they follow me on Twitter enough, they know that I have um, a special place in my heart for Sampdoria. I think they have uh, three Polish players, obviously I'm Polish, so I kind of uh, tend to gravitate towards them in many fixtures when they're not playing Milan. Um, and not only that, I think, you know, they're, they're a team that's on the rise and they have been for quite some time. And this year is really the year where they kind of jumped up and they're starting to really impress people um, under Giampaolo, who's done a fantastic job with them this year. Um, they're right in the hunt for a Europa League spot. So obviously, you know where I'm leaning here. Sampdoria Juve is the game that I am most excited about this weekend uh, for multiple reasons. Obviously, let's start with Sampdoria. So Sampdoria... They obviously, um, they have Lucas Torreira, Dennis Prayet, uh, Quagliarella, who is always, he's one, he's kind of the, um, he's defying father time yep. at this stage of his career. He's still storing goals. He's the leader of that team, um, the elder statesman and the guy that really just carries that, that, uh, that responsibility as the captain. Um, and just a fun fact on Sampdoria before I transition into Juve, Sampdoria are one of eight clubs with a perfect home record this year. And there's some pretty big teams that they're uh, esteemed company that they're with: um, Manchester United, Manchester City, um, Barcelona, PSG, Porto, Benfica, and Club Rouge. So, it's clear that the Marazzi uh, 
is a is a um, becoming a little bit of a fortress for them for the uh, Sampdoria. I think they're very difficult to beat at home. They really feed off the crowd and the environment that they're in. Um, now, obviously, they're playing against a team like Juve, who are a team that is clearly capable of you know scoring goals. Obviously, I think they're the highest scoring team this year, although being the one of the, conceding a little bit more than they have been in the previous years. Um, so this is the game I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to the most. Um, this weekend, um, just to get some lineups here, Samp is going with a 4-3-1-2, according to uh, La Gazeta dello Sport. Uh, Berzinski, Silvestri, Ferrari, Strinic in the back, Barreto, Torreira, Praia in the midfield, uh, Gaston Ramirez playing as an attacking midfielder in behind uh, Quagliera and Zapata, and for Juve, the 4-2-3-1, Buffon, Lichsteiner, Rugani alongside Benatia and Alexandro. Marquisio and Kedira as the two midfielders. Costa, Dybala in behind, Iguain as the striker, and then Manzukic at left wing. So this game has plenty of intrigue. If you're someone who wants to kind of, if you're new to Syrian, you really want to know who is kind of that little bit of like that overlooked team, dark horse team to make a Europa League, uh, you know, uh, finish in the Europa League um, placement in, in the Serie A table. This is definitely one to watch for, and Sampar definitely a team to keep an eye on. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think that is really, like, you know, we mentioned how big Roma Lazio is, right? For obvious reasons. It's one of the biggest derbies in the world. Uh, Also, Mm -hmm. but that's all right. That happens. Uh, Napoli, Milan, um, I'll talk about that in a minute because that's going to be a rough one. And uh, Sampdoria, Juve. Sampdoria hosting Juve, I think, is what makes it, as to what you were saying, Matt, I think that's what makes it um, the most intriguing, right? Mm-hmm. The most intriguing part is Sampdoria is taking Juve into their house. I'm not sure if Sampdoria will be able to get the job done just because of how good Juve have been this year, but to give them credit, 23 points in their first 11 matches for Samp. That's their best ever start mm-hmm. to a Serie A season. They're also undefeated at home. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, and meanwhile, Juve in their last four matches at Sampdoria have won. So, yeah, it's... It, it's a, for me, it's more of a test. It's not so much for me to watch to see what type of team Juve are, you know, what, 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 you know what, how, they resp- how they kind of travel to, um, to Sampdoria. It's more of me to see that, okay, this is a, a big test for Samp. They're at home. Yes. Can they really feed off that and get a result and, you know, prove that this year is, is different than, than other years and kind of really end Juve's dominance in their own yard? And I think that's, again, something you definitely have to keep an eye on. Um, especially for a guy like Giampaolo, who's um, kind of being somewhat tossed into the conversation as maybe a guy down the road to coach the national team. So uh, that's just something else to throw in there as well. But um, yeah. yeah, again, Samp Juve is, is the game for me this weekend. And um, obviously people are going to have their different opinions and that's awesome. But again, I've, I've as a fan of, as a kind of closeted fan of Samp and games they're not playing against Milan, um, I'm hoping they can maybe, uh, you know, Defy expectations and, and maybe get a point here. Sure thing. And I, I, I 
definitely agree with you that the intrigue in it is more about Samp mm -hmm. than it, than is, it is about Juve. Because we know what Juve are, right? right? We know they're going to be top two this season. You know, Sharpie. Like, I don't know what more you can say about Juventus um, unless we see Dybala just do something insanely special against Sampdoria. It's really Samp's... Um, game to talk about right mm -hmm. so in terms of napoli versus milan i have the starting well the projected starting lineups and uh for anyone that follows the three of us on twitter you'll know that the three of us are rossoneri mm -hmm. so you'll know this hurts to talk about because i have very little confidence coming into this match uh looking at the formations i'll start with milan and then we'll go to the hosts, Napoli. Do you want me to uh, tell you what the new updated one is? It just came out five minutes ago. Yeah, go for it. Absolutely. You see it yet or no? You want me to tell you? Uh, I, I Go ahead because you might have a different one. I, we'll go with the most recent one. Okay. Listen, so according to MilanNews.it, Milan News is very, very reliable. Uh, so the, the possible formation tomorrow could be, and surprise, guys, surprise, okay? Uh-oh. 4 4 one, one. Tonalima, uh, Borini, Bonucci, Musacchio, Romagnoli at left back, Kessi, Montolivo, Montolider, Locatelli, Bonaventura, Suzo, Kalinic. So you got Romagnoli at the at left back. He's a channeling his inner Maldini. He's both, apparently. Um, you got Kessi. Montolivo, I guess, played right in front of the defense. Locatelli in a more advanced role, which is cool. Um, and then Bonaventura on the, uh, I guess you can call it a left mid. If you have a left back, a left mid, left wing back, you know. With Suzo, or with Suzo right in behind Kalic. Suzo, again, not playing his preferred out wide position, uh, but he's playing as a secondary striker. Or as, uh, yeah, right, before, right behind uh, the Croatian. Well, That's surprising. Uh, it is a very um, tinkering lineup. Yeah. And um, not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah, Montella is benching Ricardo Rodriguez for Locatelli. Mm -hmm. I just read that too. Yeah. That's also an interesting tactic because while we're on the topic of Ricardo Rodriguez, I'm a fan. All right. I really like him. When you put him in his position, which is left back, I don't think he's left center back. He was that bad. He wasn't, but it, I don't think he should be played in a center back role, especially with the center backs that they have. Like I wouldn't want to see him in a back three, right? I'll take Benucci, Musacchio, and Romagnoli in whatever order you'd like in a back three. I wouldn't put right. Ricardo Rodriguez, because even on the left flank, you'll see him sometimes defending. He just gets beat. All right. And I don't want that in my center back. I know that Benucci hasn't been playing that well, but I am not. So benching Rodriguez for Locatelli, I'm all in on the Locatelli bandwagon. I really am. But taking Rodriguez out for him is interesting. Also, it'll be really intriguing to see 
how Locatelli plays in an advanced role. Because when you said um, Locatelli and Monto leader, right? I envisioned the two next to each other. I didn't yeah. envision Locatelli ahead of them. So are we talking, we're talking more of a diamond here, right? Well, yeah, we got the 4-4-1-1, four, four, one, one, right? But Cassie, like, Montolivo will play right in front of the defense. He'll play right in front of the defense, obviously. So, it, yeah, it's more like a, like, if you look at it on, like, a, on like, a, like a spreadsheet, like a, like a sheet of players, Montolivo would be, would be right in front of the defense, right in front of uh, Bonucci and Musacchio. And then Locatelli would be a little more advanced with Cassie on the right, Locatelli on the left, or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, they'd be right ahead of them. And obviously, they'd be given more freedom uh, to, to, to move forward, right? Sure. Uh, and, yeah, so, I, again, that's how the Milan Bible and Milan News said it. That's what they tweeted it out. Um, as that, it could be Locatelli play right for the defense. I'm not sure. So... It's interesting. It really is an interesting tactic. And just while we're talking about formations, the uh, Gazzetta dello Sport has the projected lineup as uh, the four-three-three: Reina, Hisaj, Albiol, Kolabali, uh, Rui, Alan, Jorginho, uh, Hamshik, and Callejon Mertens in Signe. So. Pretty standard I, lineup for them, yeah. Yeah, pretty standard. Nothing new. There's no tinkering on the part of Saudi. Um, and some, I, I know some people were speculating um, about Insigne, um, whether he, whether the Itzuri thing is weighing on his mind, especially since he didn't see the pitch. Um, you know, as much as that angers all three of us. Um, on the plus side, uh, he's rested. Um, he, I think, will have a day um, on Milan. Uh, he scored in his last, he scored four goals in his last four matches against Milan. Um, that's not good. Uh, he is, I think he's going to do it again. Um, I think if you, if you guys want, uh, we can start talking about specific matchups that you guys are looking for mm -hmm. in this weekend. Are you guys good with that? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So I'll throw one out of mine, and uh, then Matt will go to you, and then Luca will go to you. Um, we'll just do one at a time, and then we'll go back and do another one, right? So what I'm looking at, uh, especially seeing this, this, uh, 11, right? I'm looking at Insigne going right at Benucci. I want to see how Benucci plays because he hasn't been playing that well. Granted, the game plan that a lot of teams have been going with on Benucci is make Milan play out of Benucci, right? So make him go forward and that's mostly when they've been using the back three. But essentially isolate him and isolate the other defenders so that then you can either beat him or get it in behind him. He hasn't been playing well. He hasn't really lived up to his transfer fee, even though it was a steal. Um, I'm really looking at Insigne, who is one of the hottest scoring uh, players in Syria 
um, and just one of the most dynamic uh, players in the league, right? Be like, because I think Insigne is going to score. I think he's going to get at least, I mean, he's going to get at least one. I think he gets a brace. I think Mertens gets one or two himself. I think it's going to be kind of a bloodbath. So I'm looking at that Insigne Benucci matchup. Yeah. Matt, go ahead. Okay. So for me, if, I mean, my, I guess, two matchups, if you want to call my first one's going to be. Um, Suso versus Mario Rui. Sure. I want to see how um, I want to see how Napoli respond or how they deal or adapt, rather is a better word, um, after um, the injury and the timely injury, an untimely injury of uh, Fauzi Gulam, who's been sensational for them this year and a very important player as well. Um, I just want to see how if Suso looks to exploit that, maybe go at him a little early and often you know, go down that right flank. Um, but I also want to see if Rui, how he um, steps in, because there is a lot of eyes on him as well. Obviously, everyone knows that uh, Sari and Rui were together at Empoli a couple of years ago, and they had a, a very good understanding. That was kind of one of the reasons why Napoli were so quick to snap him up this past summer from Roma, despite the fact that he really didn't play that much in one season under Roma due to injury. So, um that's definitely the, the matchup I'm looking forward to most um, this weekend. And I guess my second one, if you want to, if we have time for that, of course, um, Samp, Sampdoria's defense at home um, versus Juve's attack of Manzukic, Dybala, Douglas Costa, and uh, Iguain. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. Luca, what do you got? Well, you know, I know you said Insigne and Bonucci, but I think a big one. It might not be Insigne and Bonucci. I think it's more Insigne versus Fabio Borini. Um, because Borini, and I, honestly, Insigne is a really quick, really quick player. Like, he's very, um, what's the, the word I'm looking for here would probably be, hmm, I don't know. He's very shifty. He's a shifty player. Yep. And he's one of those players that can be dangerous. He could be quiet, right? He'd be really quiet and then kind of pop up with, with a very nice, uh, nice move. He could beat his man one-on-one. But Borini's actually he's Borini's pretty quick and he runs or he for some reason he has he has energy for ninety minutes so honestly I'm okay with Borini being one on one with with Insigne but that's definitely a matchup I'd look to watch more than rather than Bonucci I think Bonucci's gonna have his problems with Mertens more than Insigne because um, he's more central uh, but then again Napoli do play a style where they do play all in between the line in between the lines and Insigne and Callejon do shift in however so. Bonucci will see Insigne a few times, and we'll see how that works out. But I think Bonini needs to stay strong, and Insigne is going to have to try to beat him one-on-one, which he could. Um, and I think that match is going to be really interesting. Also, another one, if we do go – if we – sorry, if Milan go with 4-4-1-1, um, I think that Romagnoli versus Kelly Hall might be a little interesting too because Romagnoli is the quickest guy ever. Uh, he's only he's a, he's, a, he's a center half, right? And Kelly Hall is pretty quick. So, I, honestly, I, that, that's one that I'm really interested to see. Um, we obviously have to uh, not give Kelly Hall, not give the Napoli a lot of room to be aggressive. As Montella said in his press conference this morning, he said that we have to can't let him pass around the ball quickly. So that and though that was a direct quote, I just saw it now. So you know, and, and you know, Saudi Napoli's Saudi's Napoli plays a very interesting style, very interesting style of football, right? They they're very quick. Um, and it's just with with six passes, they can go from their own box 
to the to the opposing team's box in six passes, which is or four four passes. Um, and it's like boom, 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 right? Like it's really quick. So yep. the team, especially the San Paulo too, with the crazy fans, uh, you have to basically you have to silence them early. And it'll be an interesting tie. I don't think it'll be a blowout. I just think Napoli will beat Milan. I don't think it'll be like a four nothing blowout or anything like that because I it's rare for that to happen. Um, but yeah, it should be interesting. You know, as Matt said, Suzo versus Ruby. Suzo, if he's playing a secondary striker, you might not even see Ruby that much. But he tends to, though. If I mean, if yeah. even in the game against Inter, where Suso was on the opposite flank, he was on that. He was playing on the opposite side. He was playing on the left, right, as uh-huh. as one of the two strikers, if you will, against Inter, and to which baffled everybody as to why Montella would do that, because everyone knows that Suso plays predominantly on his right, cuts it onto his left. It's kind of kind of his bread and butter, if you were, or his. Um, uh, bread and oil. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, th- that's the thing. I think there is the ten. There is that possibility that he does maybe drift out a little bit wider and starts to favor that. Again, it depends on what the game calls for at that moment. If Suso's comfortable and things are happening in the role he is deployed in, then I don't think Montel is going to you know make any ton of uh, tactical adjustments or, or alter his assignments. But if things start if Tomantella sees that he may drift them out wide, change things up up front, then you can see that come into play maybe second half or, you know, maybe the last 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can get on board with that because I, I agree with you. Suso tends to drift to his right. In this position, he's going to have a lot of open space mm-hmm. given that he's going to be right behind Kalinic. Um, I would have started Silva. I would have put Suso on the right. Um, but Vincenzo Montella must have seen something in training that inspires that confidence of Romagnoli on the right, uh, Suso in the middle, uh, which I don't think is a bad idea, but he isn't in position. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kalinic, um, you know, Montalivo, we'll see how that works out. Um, for my other matchup to highlight, right, I want to see... Uh, because El Sharawi is projected to be in the starting lineup for Roma, right? I'm talking um, the Jeco and El Sharawi uh, pair. You know, they do a 4-3-3, but think of those two against Parolo in the midfield and DeVry as center back, right? Yeah. That's going to be very. That's going to be really interesting because if El Sharawi keeps his form, you know, I rate Devry, but I think El Sharawi might win that battle just because of how he's gaining that confidence. You know, he's really picked it up recently. Uh, he's he's fun to watch again, right? And you root for him because of all the things that have happened to him, um, or with him, or about him, and Jeko is just an absolute monster. You know, I you know, you can't really say enough about what Jekko is especially this season and last season as opposed to the year before. You know, 2 years ago people were throwing the word bust around, right? So I'm looking at El Sharawi and Jekko against Parolo in that Lazio midfield and DeVry as that center of the back 3. But I also want to give a special look to Immobile because how he takes on the likes of De Rossi 
in Roma's midfield and how he takes on Manolas slash Fazio, whichever one he ends up having to take on. That's going to be really interesting. I don't think we're in for a scoreless draw for Roma Lazio. No way. So, no. no way. So I think I think Jacko's scoring for sure. Jacko's such a physical. He's such a beast in all. He's a machine. He, he his link up play is superb. He holds the ball of like like anybody like a world class center forward. He's he gets in the position. He's always in the right place at the right time. Um, he just scores. He he scores. You know, a share of poacher goals, but he also scores a share of really nice goals too. And he's just a really really good center forward. That was a really nice signing by Roma. Couple of years ago, he was obviously. It was it's funny because Jekyll wasn't good in his first season at Roma, um, but he really stepped it up last season, uh, and you know this season too. I, he has a really good chance of getting Capo Canoniere. Uh Yeah, I, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be, it's, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be a great great match. Uh, I hope it's a sold, sold out Olimpico um because you know it's big for city to have these matches i guess and it's it's big when, when these derbies it's big that it's a good match because people from around the world are watching it and they want a good match if it's goes zero zero then that the silly narrative of board city i will still continue around the world um and you know I, I hope there's no game decided by a penalty or anything either i hope it's just open play sure you know? thing so while we still have time and we're going to wrap up soon and again um I'm Patrick Stoll with Matt Santangelo and Luca Laporta. You can hit us up on Twitter. Um, I'm at Stoll underscore P. Matt is Matt underscore Santangelo. And Luca is Luca underscore Laporta. Um, you can also check out our work on ItalianFootballDaily.com and at ItalianFD. Uh, and we're now on iTunes, breaking news. So uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. And, you know, we're going to keep doing this. Uh, we will be back again on Friday uh, to recap some uh, the week that was and the weekend that will be. So before we go, uh, I want predictions. And before we get predictions, I also want to throw out that uh, Champions League is back. And Europa League. Woo! All right. And Europa League as well. Yeah, right. Also. So uh, Napoli hosts Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, Napoli has to win oh, yeah. if they want a chance at getting through. They need all the points they can get. Um, so give me predictions for these as well when we do predictions, all right? Sure. Atletico Madrid is hosting Roma. Ooh. Um, Roma get through to the round of 16 with a draw. Atletico stay in contention with a win. Mm. Um, and Juve will host Barcelona. Barcelona go through as group winners with a draw, and Juve go into the round of 16 with a win. So, um, Matt, let's go to you, and then we'll go Luca, and then I'll finish it off. I want predictions for the Champions League and the big four matches that we did, uh, that we talked about uh, today. Okay, so... For Roma Lazio, I got I got two um, one Roma. I'm not gonna mention scores. Two one Roma. Um, for Napoli Milan, I have um, I actually have a two one victory for Napoli. For Samp Juve, I have Juve winning two um, one on the road. I think Samp is, are, they're gonna scratch and claw. They're gonna fight. The game's gonna be close um, until the very end. 
and then for um you said inter uh inter atalanta correct yes sir i have inter um continuing their winning form i have them winning 2-0 for the champions league games i have napoli i have napoli drawing shakhtar at home i just think that there is a possibility that they um Again, Sarri's his rotation, um, his issues with rotation have come up quite often, and I think that's something that could ha- possibly affect them in the Champions League with a cup with a quick turnaround. Uh, sure. You said Atletico Roma, correct? Yes, sir. Atletico Roma, I actually have. That's at the uh, that's in uh, Madrid, correct? It's in Madrid. Okay, so apologize, I don't have everything in front of me. Um, I have a draw on that one. I'm going to go one one. And for Barcelona, okay. uh, Juve, I have um, Barcelona winning 2-1. And I am writing these down. We will revisit these okay. uh, on Friday. So be warned, you are on the record. Luca, go ahead. Okay, so I have the city. I have the, the matches in front of me here. Roma Lazio, I'm going to stay with the same as Matt. I'm going to go 2-1. I'm going to go as far. You can even write it down. Jekyll times 2. Jekyll times two. Jekyll times two. All right. Napoli Milan. I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna say two nothing. Napoli Milan aren't gonna score a goal. Um, we we, we don't score goals. So I think yeah. there's a chance. I mean, just to add, I think there's a chance that they do. You'll get one of those freak goals. Maybe a lucky touch somewhere. Maybe oh, maybe. maybe even a penalty that they get a goal. But it's really not a goal that comes from nice build up or anything like that. Kind of just comes out of nowhere. It's one and, of those Suso excellence goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, the, and the one, I can't remember the last time Milan's ever got a penalty in a big match, so I don't remember the last time it happened. So I don't think it's going to happen. Um, with Sampdoria Juve, I'm going to go with Juve. You know, Sampdoria are a good team. They're going to put a fight, but I think Juve wins 2 nothing on this one. one it'll, be, it'll be a one nothing match, but Juve are going to score a second goal, like a counterattack in, in like the 89th minute kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And I'm going to say the goal scorers, um, Juan Cuadrado and Chiellini. Chiellini Bold. is the first goal. Bold. Um, and then for Inter, Inter Atalanta, um, it's at the San Siro. So I don't see Atalanta really standing a chance here. I'm going to go 2-1 Inter. Uh, I think Atalanta are going to fight and claw. But I think uh, Icardi and Paris are both going to score. And, Beat them. Um, and for the Champions League, I think Roma. It's a tough tie. Roma going to into Spain. I like Roma. You know they're in form. I think if they're gonna have, a, they're gonna come with a big win. Uh, against Lazio on Saturday. I think they're gonna go into. I thought they go and uh, the Madrid. I think they're gonna go in and, and beat them two one. I think they're gonna beat them. Bold. I like yeah, it. Yeah, they're gonna qualify for the round of sixteen. Um. Napoli Shakhtar at the San Paulo. Napoli has to win that. Two nothing Napoli. Um, they're on the ropes. It's disappointing if the team does does not advance from that group. That's disappointing because it's not a group of death. I don't care what anybody says. You don't want you do not want the Scudetto winner in Serie A, not even in the round of sixteen for Champions League. You don't want that. I'm telling you, just just make it just make the round of sixteen. You don't have to do anything else. Just make it. Uh, I hope they do. Honestly, I really hope they do for City Out's sake. Um, and what was the other? And did you, did we Barcelona, Europe? Juve. It's oh, Juve hosting Barcelona. Juve hosting Barcelona, yeah. See, Juve have been really, 
underwhelming the Champions League this season, to say the least. They've been. Re- I've watched them in Sporting. You know when they just came out with a one nothing win with Higuain. I think it's Higuain. Higuain scoring. They haven't looked that great. Barca. You know it might be an a Lionel Messi madness at the uh what the hell's the stadium? Allianz Stadium. It's uh, Allianz. Yeah. I don't know what it's called anymore. Um, it's uh I think it might be Messi madness. Honestly, I think I think Barca win two one. Let's go to you know what? Let's change, change. One nothing. One nothing. Barca. Only one goal. Ooh. All right. You guys' defense have been underwhelming, but they're not going to give him more than one goal at home. Fair enough. So, as we wrap up, I'll throw out my predictions. Wait, Patrick. Um, wait. Before you go, wait. What about Europa League? You can't ignore Europa League. All right. Give me some Europa League predictions. I need to uh, uh matchups. I got it right here for you. All right. I got it. I got it. So the City A team's playing. Uh, Atalanta is against, where is it here? Everton, the big game. Atlanta, Everton. Milan, Austria, Wien. 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 And Wien. Yeah, sorry. And Lazio's playing Vitesse. Okay. So uh, do you guys want to do the Europa League prediction? I'll go through mine real quick. So, um, Atalanta hosting Everton in that one. Um, Atalanta actually beat Everton in the first uh, matchup and first encounter in their group. Um, I'm going to go with a draw. I'm going to go with maybe something. It's it's 1-1. Milan, Austria, then. I'm going to go Milan victory uh, 3-1, 3-0. You're going to put down 3-1, I guess. Um, And Lazio, Vitesse. I'm going to go Lazio uh, 2-0. All right. Yeah, I'll go with uh, Lazio 3 nothing because I think because uh, Lazio are at home too. So I think Lazio mm-hmm. 3 nothing. Milan are also at home. So I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Milan 2 with maybe 2 nothing. They were also at home to uh, Athens, but yeah, but, you know what though? Athens <laughs> had, yeah, Athens had that Greek defending, you know what I mean? They had like a good, they had a really nice defending. Um, I don't think in Austria we or we, we we scored five goals against them in their building. So uh, I don't know. I think I think I think Milan will come on top on that one. And Everton, it's actually in England that game. Atlanta Everton, it's in England. Um, and I think Atlanta will get a one-one draw as well. I think it's gonna be a tough match in England, but I think the Atlanta have enough players to definitely withstand them and qual and, and guarantee a top spot. Or or no, Leon's with them too, so guarantee a, a spot in the round sixteen. All right, so I will rattle through my predictions, and then we will wrap up here. Uh, Roma Lazio. Uh, I think. I think uh, Roma win. I think they win three to two. They ride the hot hand, hot boot, whatever you want to call it. Roma three two. Napoli Milan. I'm calling four two Napoli. It is going to be an absolute bloodbath out there. Uh, Juve two one over Sampdoria. And I got Inter 3-1 over Atlanta. Uh, there are going to be a bunch of goals, according to my predictions. Napoli, Shakhtar, I got 2-1 Napoli. Um, I think they will do what they need to do, although give credit to Shakhtar. They give everyone a hard time. Even Pep Guardiola said that Shakhtar is one of those hardest teams to prepare for. However, Napoli is one of the most enjoyable to watch in Europe. Atletico Roma, I think Roma win 2-1. I think they get into the round of 16 regardless. Uh, they're not going to lose. Um, Barcelona going to Juve. They win 3-1. 
uh, Messi madness, I think, goes to the extreme. I think Juve just can't compete with Barcelona. Not a bash on Juve. Just think that Barcelona are too good. They're also catching form. Belverde has them in exactly the right place. Uh, Europa League, Lazio 3-0 against Vitesse. That's going to be easy for them. Uh, who else we got? Atlanta 2, Everton. Everton suck. Yeah, they're really bad. They yeah, are very they're, they're, they're kind of like the Premier League version um, of, of Milan. They sure spent big in the summer, and they already sacked, actually. Ronald Coleman was sacked. Yep. Or Montella. Um, so that's just, yeah, yeah they, they've been a mess. Well, except that Everton are currently either in the relegation zone in England right. or just outside of it, at least yeah. Milan or worse. the upper half. Right. You know, I have confidence that Milan can somehow pull it together. I don't have any confidence in Everton. Um, Atlanta is going to win 3 1. Uh, it's going to be an absolute embarrassment. And all the people on Talk Sport and in the UK are going to have an absolute meltdown because here we go again. Uh, Milan, Austria, Vienne, give me 3 0. Milan, uh, that's going to be another Silva madness, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he scores in the Europa League, he doesn't get enough time in Serie A. Um, so those are my predictions. Uh, I've marked them down. Uh, I've marked your guys' down. We'll go over them next time. And to everyone listening, thank you for listening to the Italian Football Daily Podcast. Remember, we are on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Check out all of our work on Italian Football Daily and at Italian FD. And go ahead and, and write a review, a rate, oh, yeah, rate and review. Absolutely, that's right. a lot. Please and thank you. And uh, so, uh, for Luca, uh, Luca underscore Laporta on Twitter, Matt, Matt underscore Santangelo on Twitter, and uh, Stole underscore P on Twitter. For Luca, for Matt, I'm Patrick. Thanks for listening to the Italian Football Daily podcast. We'll see you next time. Have a good one, guys. Oh. Ciao.